Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Barry Habib. Uh, He has written a book called Money in the Streets, a playbook for finding and seizing opportunity all around you. Welcome back to the show, Barry. So good to be here. So let's just talk about the general idea of this book. You're saying that there's a lot of opportunity out there that most people don't really recognize. In these times particularly, when so many people have lost their jobs, they've been evicted from their homes, they're in food lines, uh, you have a, a message that's very different from what most people are seeing in the real world today. It sure is. Um, but you know, what the book will also do is help you get through the difficult times that we all experience. And sometimes it's economically driven. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's health. Look, the, the one thing we know is we're all going to suffer, right? No matter who you are, no matter how wealthy you are, there are going to be periods of time in our life, unfortunately, too often that we're going to suffer. And what this book will do is it will help you to get through those times either a little bit more quickly or with a little better peace of mind or with a game plan to improve things in the future. And then there are times that you're going to have a great tailwind behind you. There are wonderful times within our life that things are going our way. And it's very important to be able to capitalize and maximize those times. And that's what the book is designed to help you with as well. You you think about those wonderful opportunities that we get and we look back upon it and we say, wow, I wish I would have just done this or done that or, or how did I miss out on this or... You know, while it was good, it could have been really good. Or we watch others. Um, so the book will help you with that. But mostly what the book will do is help you to recognize opportunities, opportunities that everybody else is missing uh, that will help you to really improve your life into the future. Uh, and it could be career-wise. It could be just being happy. Uh, it also will help you deal with things like intimidation or fear or anything that will hold you back, those self-limiting beliefs. These are the things that the book will really will address with you in a very easy to understand, simple way um, that's very relatable. A lot of this is psychological. It really is. And, and you're saying that, uh, as you said, the same two people in the same situation, being offered the same opportunity, will take different choices. Is that, I guess, it's the classic nature versus nurture argument. Is this something you learn, or is this kind of natural to people who are optimistic versus pessimistic what's the kind of base that makes people make one choice versus another so the the first thing is is realizing that you have a choice in the first uh, to begin with because the thing about opportunity that's amazing is it is a learned skill is identifying it first uh, and and many people just don't have that knack or focus to be able to identify that so this book will help you hone in those skills and then once you identify it then what do you do with it and that's where you're, you, you have to kind of trust your gut and not talk yourself out of things. And that is also a skill set. So you know, it's very interesting that you identified both. Uh, Jordan, when you take a look at the opportunities that others are passing by or that we're passing by and you see people are able to seize those, you know, looking at the opportunity and seeing it, that's the first step. But then what do you do with it? So... You also mentioned something that's very interesting as well, and that is being optimistic versus pessimistic. A common thread amongst highly successful people, and you can you can just talk to people that 
are successful. And I think after speaking with them, you will see that a very common thread is very powerful is optimism. So this is something that I believe can be taught, can be honed in, can be worked on uh, because we we're often taught to be guarded. We're often taught to be cautious. We're often taught to be focusing on what we want to protect from loss as opposed to what the opportunities are. Talk about this specifically in the times we're in right now, where for many people, optimism seems unfindable. <laughs> you know, they're barely trying to survive. Yet other people are doing incredibly well profiting from the kind of stay-at-home phrase, phase we're in right now. Just put this kind of optimism versus pessimism specifically in the, the period we're in right now. So I've seen so many people switch gears here because, look, if, if things were going normal, and I know normal is a tough thing to define, but let's just take a piece of, of, of a chunk of time here and say, we're, let's say we turn the clock back, we're in 2019, and you're going about business, and you're going about doing what you're doing, and things seem okay. Now, you'd like to do better, you could do better, but you're kind of trapped in that you couldn't really make a switch because you'd have a lot that you could lose in that situation. Now, if things got really, unfortunately, difficult in 2020, you now have this incredible opportunity because you now finally have the freedom to where what you would be risking or putting at stake is already gone. So now here's where you could pivot. If you could see an opportunity, instead of trying to recreate what wasn't working, you could look at things in areas that are booming. It's not that hard to jump into real estate, not that hard to jump into the mortgage field. It's not that hard to change gears and get into something that you can work from home with or that's technology-based. I mean, look at all these companies that are flourishing and thriving in this market of adversity. So if we're in 2019, you may never have seen or thought of or wanted to risk giving up what you had to take those chances. But today, you can. And that's very liberating. So while you could look at it and say, woe is me, or you know, I'm struggling, or waiting for assistance elsewhere, what you can do is you can see the opportunities that exist and now really chase them full force. So why don't you talk a little bit about how this happened in your own life and when you had a choice to make and where you were optimistic and grabbed the opportunity, whereas another person might have been pessimistic and not taking the opportunity to kind of bring this home a little bit. Yeah, so so when I, growing up, I grew up really poor, Jordan. You know, my parents were immigrants. I was, uh, I was a, a surprise baby. My dad was 57. My mom was 40. They didn't speak the language. They came here. They were completely broke because the government that they left. Now, my ancestry is from Spain, but they spent several generations in Turkey. We're not Turkish, but they lived there for several generations. And the government, when they left, took pretty much everything that they had. So they came here with very, very little. And then what they discovered was that mom was pregnant. Now, when I was conceived, think about just threading the needle here, Jordan, because I was conceived just months before birth control became available. So just made it there. And also right before abortions were made uh were, were, were made legal. So I'm, I'm kind of on bonus time here. You know, I kind of slipped in there. Yeah. Um, but as it turned out, you know, it was difficult. And my mom went through, you know, a real painstaking time to say, hey, look, we don't speak the language. We're broke. There were five people living in a two-bedroom apartment with one bathroom and being extremely poor. You know, my dad had to humble himself, work at a hot dog stand. My mom worked at a sweatshop. And my mom was 
actually very upset one day at work and crying. And her her employer came to her and said, she said, listen, Karina, if if if, uh, if you're having t- trouble with the baby, I've never been able to have children. You give me the baby. I'll pay you. I'll even let you have my business. I've always wanted a baby and I've never been able to have one. And then my mom knew that that was you know, not even something to consider to begin with. But what it really did was change her mindset that this wasn't a burden, that this was a blessing. Yeah. And just that change in mindset really changed everything. And I think it all starts with mindset, Jordan. Mindset is, is so important and so critical. But you know, as I grew up and grew up very, very poor, and what I, what I discovered was, was that you know, one day I, uh, I started selling stereo equipment, believe it or not, out of the trunk of my car. And this was after going through college. And it, I was doing well. I started to buy some real estate properties with the money I was making because I, I saw some opportunities. I looked around me and I thought that properties in New Jersey seemed to be selling at a discount. So I started buying them in my early 20s. And I sat down one day with the guy doing my mortgage and started asking questions about the mortgage industry and the mortgage business and started learning about it. And I decided kind of on a whim to get into the mortgage business. Well, you know, as a young person, young guys make some some kind of silly moves sometimes. And I guess this was a silly one to change careers while the birth of my twins had just occurred two months earlier. So I got two-month-old twins and I'm changing careers. So failure was not an option for me. And as I got into the mortgage business, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. Nobody wanted to give this wet behind the ears kid an opportunity to refer their mortgages to. So rather than quit, rather than say it's too tough, I just pivoted. I just looked for opportunities. And I discovered that if I talked to everyone I, that I knew or came across and told them what I did, I'd have a chance to maybe do the mortgage for them. And what what happened was was that I wound up doing a very significant amount of business by knocking on people's doors. My third week in the mortgage business, I wrote 16 transactions. And I and everyone I gave money to, meaning the guy at the pizzeria, my dry cleaner, my dentist, my hair cutter, anyone that I was a customer giving money to, I had a captive audience. So I told them what I did and wound uh-huh. up developing business. And the last point I want to make before break is that I took this to the extreme that as I was driving up and down the roads of New Jersey, where there's a lot of tolls, and I'm going to date myself here before all the electronic ways to get your tolls as you drive through. Back at that time, you could either get exact change, toss it in a basket, or go to an, a longer line and give the man cash. He'd give you the change back. But those lines took longer. Now, I had exact change, but I chose to go to those longer lines because I could actually speak to a person. And my friends who would ride with me would give me so much crap, Jordan, because, oh my gosh, Barry, again, you're going to do this again? <laughs> Until one day, a guy by the name of Steve Horton at the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority, I gave him my card. And it would be very brief. I said, hey, if I could help you out and save you money on a refinance or if you're looking to buy a home, just give me a buzz. I'll help you. <laughs> I had those five seconds while I was handing the money. He called me. And not only did I do his mortgage, I did 17 of his coworkers, either <laughs> refinances or purchases. Now, here's what we know. We know that I was not the only mortgage individual driving up and down the roads of New Jersey but I was the only one who saw that as an opportunity. And in a nutshell, that's what we have to understand is that opportunity is everywhere, Jordan. It's yeah. just a matter of seeing it. And maybe my back was against the wall because I knew I couldn't fail with my two-month-old twins. Maybe that forced me to take a look. But what we really need to do is see that everywhere. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Barry Habib. Uh, his new book is called Money in the Streets a playbook for finding and seizing 
the opportunity all around you. You can find out more about Barry and his book uh, and his other services at mbshighway.com. We'll be back after this. I just came back from my mother's funeral, unfortunately, but it made so me sorry. really understand that uh, how fragile life really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, more than ever, the, the need for life insurance is very, very clear. So the rising cost of living and debts that people have, you really don't want to leave your kids a partner with a huge financial burden. So it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable these days. Why not pay a bit each month to protect the ones you love? If you're asking yourself this question, choose Ladder. Ladder makes it impressively fast and easy to get covered. You just need a few minutes, a phone, or a laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you find out instantly if you're approved. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Since life insurance costs more as you age, it's time to cross it off your list and get it while you're still younger. So lock into your best rate today and get your family covered with Ladder. Go to ladderlife.com slash moneyanswers. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash moneyanswers. Ladderlife.com slash moneyanswers. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Barry Habib. He's the author of a new book called Money in the Streets, a playbook for finding and seizing the opportunity all around you. You can find out more at his website, which is mbshighway.com. Dot com. Welcome back to the show, Barry. So good to be with you, Jordan. At the beginning uh, of your book, you talk about overcoming the random nature of rejection. Everybody has to deal with rejection, but why is it random and how can you overcome it? So many things are random. Most random event we'll ever have is our birth, right? So we, we don't choose it. We don't choose the time that we come into this world. We don't choose our parents. We don't choose whether we're wealthy or poor. We have no choice in the matter at all. Is the most random event we will ever experience in our lives. So our lives really aren't 
what we get, but what we do with what we've been given. So we have lots of choices in the matter because we are able to overcome so many things. Just because we may have been dealt a difficult situation initially does not mean we have to stay there, does not mean we have to wallow in it. And a lot of that has to deal with the fact that going through growth, there's going to be periods of time, lots of them, where we're rejected. And so we can either let that hurt our self-confidence, we can either let that make us feel inferior, or we can understand that rejection doesn't necessarily mean that it's about us. It could be about how another person is feeling or the timing being different for them. So overcoming rejection is is absolutely critical without letting it get you down because if it's in a relationship and you get jaded because you've been rejected, how that impacts your happiness going forward uh, could be very material. Or if it's in business, I mean, imagine a salesperson who you know gets rejected or somebody who's looking for a job and they get rejected and they let that impact them to the point where it gets it gets to their psychology, their physiology, their ability to have that self-confidence or self-esteem. And so many people deal with that, Jordan. So many people have self-esteem issues and it causes them to do things that they shouldn't do because they feel that they're not good enough. Yep. But if we understand that rejection doesn't necessarily mean it's about us, we're not the reason for the rejection, then we can get past that a lot easier. And listen, you have to be a bit tough-skinned to deal with rejection, but getting past rejection is absolutely essential if you want to have success. Nobody nobody has their cards just dealt to them so perfectly and beautifully where they never face rejection. We know we're going to have rejection, but overcoming it is what really makes you be able to strive and move forward and achieve the goals that you deserve and that you want. And, and you know, so much of that, your, your next chapter is to let hardship teach you. So most people think they should avoid hardship, but you're saying actually getting through it and coming through the other side can make you better and more successful. Is that right? It, it sure does because you you relate to to people who go through hardship. It, it makes you um, be more empathetic. And I think that these are things that are, are very valuable traits that a person can have is, is, is understanding uh, what it takes to go through it, having that experience yourself. Uh, these are these are absolutely um, essential because you know if you were to ask me to define happiness in a word, I'd say that it's progress. If you think about it, you know I, I, it's been holidays, so I put on about eight pounds and I wanted to take these eight pounds off. Now I've been behaving myself over the past few days um, since Christmas and. I've taken off two pounds. Now, I'm not at my goal, but I'm happier. I feel better. So it's not getting to your goal that makes you happy. It's making progress. It's always getting on that right path. You know, goals are really critical. And, and, you know, having hardships, the best way to get over those hardships is to set goals on how you're going to get there. And there's so many things in the book about reverse engineering and setting up your goals like a GPS. But we have to remember that while it's important to have financial goals, it's important to have success goals. There's a lot of people that are very successful and very wealthy who are unhappy. And it's because the other aspect of those goals that you have to have is fulfillment. Fulfillment oftentimes comes from helping others. Fulfillment is something, Jordan, that that really can make you happy. If you're achieving goals alongside of fulfillment, that's typically a recipe for being a happier person. Yeah. Now, you have a chapter called Be Positive, And in there, you talk about natural happiness uh, and how to 
become naturally happy? What are the ways to do that? There's, there's, as I mentioned, you know, the perfect tie-in to fulfillment. You know, fulfillment and and being on the road to your goals. That those are ways that can provide you natural happiness. If you feel that you're on your path, if you're maybe you're not there, you're not reaching your goals just yet. But if you're getting closer to the goals that you want to achieve, but along with that, you've achieved fulfillment because what you're doing is you're helping others. You should always reach for your goals with one hand going forward. But if you really want to be happy, you should also have a hand back that's pulling along others, whether they're friends, families, or coworkers, or, or others in general. Uh, doing good is what makes you happy. And I know it sounds a little bit corny, but you know, try it. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, the, the times that we feel our best aren't by receiving, it's by giving. And that's how you build relationships, too. You know, People want to have relationships. They want to build relationships. The best way you build relationships is not by asking. It's by giving and expecting nothing in return. Because people do understand the law of reciprocity. Right. People want to give back to you and you're not asking for anything in a certain way. That's exactly right. Another thing you're saying about being positive is to surround yourself with positive people. I often hear that you are a reflection of the the five people most close to you, positively or negatively. So is that something people should reject negative energy and attract positive energy? Yeah, it's hard to do because, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap. It's easy to fall into that trap of, you know, negativity and, 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 you know, whether it's bashing a situation or bashing others. But what you want to really make the distinction is, am I, am I doing this constructively or am I doing it just as a bitch session? Is it just to complain for complaint's sake because it feels good because it feels, makes me feel more secure in my shortcomings uh, that I can now, you know, degrade a situation or a decision or a person um, those are those are pretty self-destructive um, and just remember if you're talking bad about someone else with a group of people that just means that those people probably be doing the same thing about you when you're not around yeah so I think the most important thing for us with regards to that type of an attitude is surround yourself with people who who have your back when you're not there because they have others' backs when they're not there, who are always looking to things optimistically, who are looking for the good. Or if they're criticizing something, they're criticizing with a purpose. They're criticizing with solutions, with ways to get better. It's not just a it's not just pissing and moaning. It's saying this could be done in a way that could be improved. And let's work towards improving those. The key part of your whole book is to recognize and take advantage of opportunity, basically. So you have a whole chapter on that. And one of the things you say is important is to trust your gut. Is that something a lot of people don't do? They're, they're too cautious and they don't seize opportunity because they're worried? So true, Jordan. That is one of the biggest things that I've learned is trusting my gut. And how many times have we kind of, we say, ah, I knew it. I felt it. I thought I should have done this. And, and, you know, oftentimes you'll think of an idea or you'll think about making a change and then maybe you talk yourself out of it. That little voice of doubt comes to you and, and starts to get you to think differently. Or how many times have you saved someone? There's a situation that's bad. There's a relationship. There's a job. Uh, and and it's, it's not a good situation to be in, but because it's convenient, because we hate change, we talk ourselves into it, we save the person. Sometimes you're involved in a relationship and, and, and your gut tells you, this person is not right for me. But you save them because you justify the reasons they do things. And then it just happens over and over and over again. And what we don't understand is the longer we wait to unwind it, the worse it is and the more difficult it is. So you're just postponing the pain. So the best thing to do is to really trust your gut. 
I'm not saying throw in the towel every time you face adversity, but there is a time where your gut will tell you that you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, and you need to be able to trust that feeling and have the bravery and the confidence to make a change there. And that means going through short-term pain, but that short-term pain, it's an investment. It's trusting your gut both positively and negatively. It's trusting your gut that something is going to work out as well as something is not going to work out. That's where you find the opportunities when you trust your gut on a positive nature to say, hey, well, this this could be done better if I can make these changes. You know, and, and just to real quickly, uh, I'll just cite just a few of them in my, in my career that were life-changing for me. So uh, when I was... When I was in the mortgage industry, I had seen over and over how individuals taking out their mortgage would become disappointed because rates would change. Interest rates on mortgages would change, and they wouldn't have a heads up to it. And mortgage professionals typically wouldn't. So if I were doing your mortgage, Jordan, and I quoted you a rate of, let's just say, 3% today, and by the, you, you said you liked that rate. By the time we were talking about it, everything was good, but then I went back to my office, and because the market is constantly moving, if that rate went to 3 and a quarter percent well, now I'm upset. You're going to be upset. So what I decided to do was do something about it. And I created a business. I created a company that would give that loan originator a heads up to give the customer a better experience so that before rates change, we'd be monitoring the market for them. They would have the opportunity to protect them and the, and the, and the customer. And that turned into an enormous business that I sold for millions and millions of dollars just based on that premise. When I opened up Rock of Ages on Broadway, I noticed that people would come to the theater and it would be in New York City. People would want to have an adult beverage. There would be a line to get it. Sometimes people would show up a little bit late. And then what would happen is, is that they'd want to enjoy that beverage, but drinking was not allowed in the seats. So once the show was starting, they had to get to their seats. So I'd see them guzzle their drinks, waste their drinks. And I said, why does that have to be? So I fought for it and became the first theater in the history of Broadway, the first show in the history of Broadway to allow drinking in the seats, gave the clients a much better experience, and now everyone does it on Broadway. And another one is, believe it or not, I also was kind of a serial entrepreneur, opened a medical imaging business, and I saw that when people went for scans, and God forbid, I hope nobody has to go for one for bad scans, but if you had a scan, you knew the tech doing your scan know what was going on, but they couldn't talk to you. You had to wait for your doctor, sometimes three or four days, and the anxiety would be awful. So I said, why do we have to put people through that? So I opened up a center that had a radiologist on site. By the time you got dressed, if it was good news, you had the good news. If it wasn't great news, at least you had a plan and you didn't have the anxiety. And that grew to three centers before I sold it. So these are things where I trusted my gut that we were able to make things better. And I trusted my gut that we could do that. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Barry Habib. He is the author of a new book called Money in the Streets a playbook for finding and seizing the opportunity all around you. You can find out more about Barry and his website at mbshighway.com. We'll be back after this. Tech entrepreneurs are in an all-out race to cash in on our collective addiction to social media. It's a fight that started in Silicon Valley that's now gone global. In the newest season of Wondery's Business Wars, TikTok versus Instagram, they tracked the war between two social media giants. Within the last couple of years, TikTok has become one of the most popular apps around the world. It's even garnered the power to completely reinvent the music industry. And despite political constraints the app has recently faced, TikTok has still managed to pose a serious threat to its American counterpart, Instagram. This season of Business Wars will touch on the history behind and the founding of both apps, 
and what they've done in recent years to become one of the two largest social media platforms to exist. In your own words, in my words, and based on what I know, I think there'll be a great uh, episode for you to watch about the whole battle between Instagram and TikTok. Um, and I think everybody should give it a try. And this is so important because TikTok is uh, such an important part of people's lives today, particularly younger uh, people. So listen to the latest season of Business Wars, TikTok versus Instagram, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can always listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. That's spelled W-O-N-D-E-R-Y. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Barry Habib. He's the author of a new book called Money in the Streets, a playbook for finding and seizing the opportunity all around you. Uh, his website is M. Uh, BC, uh, um, mbchighway.com. MBS, uh, actually. M- that's right, mbshighway.com. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. Wanted to get that right, Barry. Very good. Okay, so one of the things you say is really important to success is to focus. And it's very difficult today with all the distraction of social media and the many TV channels and there's so many people asking to do things all the time uh, to focus. How how could you cut through all that and focus and really get things done? So, you know, we find what we look for. You know, if you uh, if you just scan the room really quickly, and I would just ask you, you know, any room that you're in, I say, okay, um, how many items did you see that were blue? You know, you might recall and take a guess. But if I were to say, okay, now scan the room again and look for blue items, you'd be surprised how many you find. You know, so we we will we will always find the things that we are focused on. 
And, and what's really interesting is a lesson that I learned from a professional driver. So I, I like to drive on the track. And um, I've had several instructions with professional car drivers that really help my driving skills. And not just on the track, but also just everyday driving, just to be a better driver. And one very important lesson I learned occurred when the when the instructor was watching me and he said, you know, Barry, you're like just about everybody else on the road. I said, what do you look at when you're driving? And for most people, and if you, you probably can catch yourself now that you know this, is you tend to look at the car in front of you. And he says, you know, Barry, that's what most people do. He says, but if you really want to be a good driver, you have to look further down the road. And then he actually made me pull the car over. And he took a bottle of water that we had in the car and he put it in front of me about 20 feet. He made me look down at the ground on the bottle of water. And he says, okay, Barry, focus on the bottle of water. And then what I want you to do is now while you're looking at that, read the sign, the street sign down the road. I said, I can't. He says, okay, I want you to look at the street sign. And I looked at, he says, can you still see the bottle of water? I said, yes, I can. And he said, you see, Barry, if you do that, you'll be a much better driver, a much safer driver because you'll see things develop. And I thought about that, and as I've learned it, yeah, if you learn this one lesson, you will definitely be a better driver. But if you do that in life, you can't help but be much more successful. People tend to look at things very, very short-term, very, very near focus. Yeah. But what we really have to do is see how we can make that bigger. You know, in 1955, the McDonald's was just a one great burger shop in San Bernardino, California, but they had the ability to dream, to think big, and to look at how they could grow this. We all have that ability. We all have that ability to take what we're doing now and see how we can make it bigger. Rather than just focus on the day-to-day and get caught up with that, just change your focus and watch things change for you. Some of my mentors taught me this very important lesson, and it has dramatically impacted me, and believe me, as someone who grew up as poor as I did, with as few options as I had, if I can do it, anybody could do it. Yeah. Another thing you say it's difficult for people to deal with is intimidation. Uh, and to be intimidated to make moves and take risks and take advantage of opportunities. How do you deal with intimidating situations? So lots of times, you know, a competitor could re- really seem like they have their act together. Or, you know, maybe, maybe it's a love interest or whatever it is in life. There's so many times that we feel either inadequate or we feel intimidated or we watch somebody else do it, Jordan, and it's just, it seems so darn easy for them, you know. And one of the things I think we all wish we could be is more magnetic. You know, magnetism is important. I don't mean, you know, I don't mean somebody who's cocky, but somebody who just draws you to them. How do they do that? Well, here's a secret. Everybody you come into contact with, you have to be able to make them feel better and also add something of value to them, make them smarter, share that with them. But remember, you can't give what you don't have. So that means investing in yourself first. And we can't let ourselves get intimidated because somebody makes something look so simple or so easy or they have this, this stuff together. We can get there. You know, I produced Chris Angel's Mind Freak in Las Vegas. We're closed now because of COVID, just like Rock of Ages is closed now on Broadway because of COVID. Uh, But when I produced that show, it was partially a financial investment, but also because I always loved magic. Now, I have no idea how Chris Angel does it. Even though I produced the show, I I have any clue on how he does these tricks. and I'm always blown away. But I will tell you this. 
I was fortunate enough to go to a magic show from David Copperfield a few years back. And David Copperfield, just a great magician, he was performing at the State Street Theater in New Jersey. There was about 3,000 people there. And the show was amazing. I was blown away by every trick. Had no idea how it was done. And then the finale was where he would take 12 members of the audience, put them on stage, and make them disappear. Now, with my curiosity and my love for magic and my desire, I wanted to be one of these people. So the trick was, was that he threw these balls into the audience. There was actually 16 balls that were thrown into the audience. And if you were able to catch this, one of these balls while the music stopped, he was playing music. So when the music stopped, if you caught one of these balls and one came to you, then you were going to be brought up on stage. But if a ball came to you and the music was still playing, you had to bounce it away. So it's kind of like musical chairs with, ball, with balls. So I wanted this so bad. And my, my optimism was high. My desire was high. But there was only 16 balls and, and, and 3,000 people. My chances were like 187 to 1. Well, wouldn't you know it, I guess just from sheer desire, I caught one of these balls. Now, Jordan, I got to tell you, I might, I might have bumped a couple of people inadvertently. <laughs> but I got one of these things. And here I am. I'm coming up on stage. And here's David Copperfield. And he says, okay, what I want you to do is I just want you to stand in that corner on stage. So I wasn't in one of the chairs. There was four of us on the corners, 12 people in the seats. And the four people on the corner, one, I was one of them, he said, you guys are going to be my close witnesses, my up-close witnesses. He puts the tarp over these 12 people, literally a foot or two in front of me, and right before my eyes, he made them disappear. Now, I got to tell you, Jordan, yes, it was impressive, but I was kind of pissed. You know, now, not only what did I not get to, to disappear, <laughs> I, I got to see this thing right in front of me. So I was a little frustrated, and it was the grand finale, so we left. I was happy about the show, but I was kind of frustrated. Well, anyway, a year later, I used to have a show I did on CNBC for 13 years on Squawk Box, and Mark Haynes was the host. And Mark Haynes calls me. He says, hey, Barry. He says, you know, David Copperfield's going to be at the State Street. I said, yeah, I know, Mark. I saw the show last year. It's great. He said, you want to go again? I was like, ah. Sure, maybe thinking that there'll be different tricks. Well, I got to tell you, Jordan, all the same exact tricks. Nothing changed, including the last one. Yeah. Now, here he's about to throw these 16 balls out into the audience. And here's my optimistic side of me, thinking maybe I could do it again. Could I really beat the odds 187 to 1 and catch a ball again? And honest to God, Jordan, I caught another ball. Again, uh -huh. I might have knocked somebody over next to me, but I got the darn thing. Here I am walking up to the stage. And David Copperfield, honest to God, Jordan, he wants to stand me in the corner again. In the middle of a show, I start negotiating with David Copperfield. <laughs> I'm explaining to him, I said, listen, you made me do this last year. I'm talking to him. And he says, are you a magician? I said, no, I'm in the mortgage business. And he, he, I looked at him. He looked at me. And I won him over. And he let me sit in the chair. They put the tarp over me. And I'm sworn to secrecy. But now I know how it's done. And here's the big takeaway. The takeaway is, is that it's not magic. You know what it is? It's hard work. It's research. It's repetition. And it's getting it perfect. Yeah. It's not magic. It's magical. You, you say that to become magnetic, you, you need to amplify your message. David Copperfield is certainly an example of that. But for somebody that's not a famous musician, how do you amplify your message to become magnetic. Do you amplify your message today through things like social media, which cost you nothing? You have the research that you've done to gain something of value to share with others 
and you do share that with others through social media. doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to be a TV star. You just start building your network on social media. And you see so many people today, YouTube stars or um, stars on TikTok or on Facebook or LinkedIn or, uh, or, or Instagram. You have the ability right in front of you. And once again, if you look at it and you get intimidated, just remember that David Copperfield story. It's not magical. It's not something. Nobody comes out of the womb with these skills. Yeah. Everybody learns. The, these are all learned skills. What it comes down to is, do you have the heart? Are you willing to devote some time? to get it right, to practice, to do the research. Because if you are, then the rewards are there for you. That's the great thing about this, is it's fair. It's fair. Because people who put in the work, put in the effort, put in the time and the research, practice, get it right, they get the rewards. It's a meritocracy, you're saying, ultimately. Absolutely. Yeah. You say it's also important to build trust and better relationships through communication. You're saying a lot of people are not communicating and therefore they don't build trust. Is that right? Yeah, you know, the best way to build trust is tell people, some, somebody all the bad stuff. Whether you're in sales or whether you're in a love relationship or whatever it is, if you're vulnerable and you tell people all the bad stuff, you will win them over. Look, if you had a great, uh, a great car salesman, let's just say, if he wants to build your trust, he can focus on all the good things that are out there about the vehicle. But what if he tells you the fact that because this is a performance car and they've got these performance tires on it, you should be aware that you're going to run out of tread sooner and you're going to need to account for that additional expense so before you buy this car i want you to consider that what happens is you say wow this person is is warning me not trying to sell me but they've now they've now crossed over from opposite sides of the table to the same side of the table as me and i'm treating me like their child their parent their best friend and looking out for my best interest before their commission. I trust that person more and I want to do business with them. It's the same in a love relationship. Yeah, we could tell them all the great things about us, but where you really win them over is when you're vulnerable and you tell them all the things that are not so great because then they trust you. And life and relationships are really, are really, really dependent upon trust if they're going to last. And business success very much so as well. So much, whether it's with your employees, with your employer, with your coworkers. Trust is everything in a relationship. Yeah. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Barry Habib. He's the author of a new book called Money in the Streets, a playbook for finding and seizing the opportunity all around you. His website is mbshighway.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Barry Habib, author of the book Money in the Streets, a playbook for finding and seizing the opportunity all around you. Welcome back to the show, Barry. Oh, it's a privilege to be with you, Jordan. You talk about uh, using your opportunities in service of others, and particularly this year now where so many people are in need. Uh, some people might not find that a natural thing to do. It's all about me and how much I can gain and let charities take care of it. What, what, what do you get out of serving others? Well, serving others is is where you get fulfillment, Jordan. That's... that's uh, you're doing good for others, but the real beneficiary is the way we feel about ourselves. And and there's that's priceless. It's priceless. You know, Jordan, There's a, a, it's so important the way we view ourselves. It's so important the feeling that we get for ourselves. It, it's, it's that intangible of knowing that what you're doing is good, being on the right path. These are things that, that make us happy. Uh, we talked about that earlier. And I think that we oftentimes overlook that because it's easy to say, as, as you just said earlier, you know, well, me, me, me in these times. Uh, you know, when, when I was a young boy, my mom taught me a lesson. Now, we were dirt poor. We'd ride the subways. And even though we were super poor, when my mom would see somebody less fortunate, she actually would teach me this lesson as a little boy. And she would open up, she had a little golden colored change purse, and she would just give a few coins. Even though we had hardly nothing, if she saw somebody in need, and she would tell me that it's really good to help others. And the thing of it is, is that it does feel good. It makes you feel good. And what 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 better feeling is there than to feel good? I mean, really, you think yeah. about it, this is something that stays with you, that lasts with you, that you know what you're doing is, is important and that it's helping others. Um, so it's almost selfish to do good for others because the feeling that it gives you is much better than what you're doing for other people. Yeah. You also say to stay hungry. Uh, I guess you have some success. People tend to kind of relax and don't feel they need to keep pushing. Is is that hard to do once you become successful to stay yeah, hungry? Yeah, you, you look at people that have, you know, waves of success or even teams athletically, you know, the the real great ones are the ones that you know, it's it's easy to be hungry when you're when you're starving, but when you're well fed, if you really want to be a champion, you still have to stay hungry even when you're well fed. That's what is the mark of a true champion is that consistency, not just hitting a goal. You know, a couple of good good examples of that. I had lunch with the great coach Tom Landry from the Dallas Cowboys. And and he he leaned over to me. We were both speaking at an event and you know, we were at the speaker's table. So it was just nice. I was able to just talk to him, talk to him. And we talked about some players that were doing well in the league. And he said, he said, you know, Barry, he said, you know, the guy who goes in, scores a touchdown, and then celebrates like he's out of control, I was never worried about them because that seems like a surprise to them, that they shouldn't be there. He says, you know who I would be worried about? The guy who scores a touchdown doesn't even have to celebrate because that's what they're supposed to be doing. Like, he's there, and he's going to be there again. And that's the guy I'm fearful of. So when you think about the attitude that you want to have towards success, it's very important for us to, to, not, to not have success and, exp- and, and think of it as a fluke, to stay hungry, to even if we're doing well, even if we're successful, it doesn't mean that, oh, great, we had some success, it's all over, now we can take our foot off the gas. When you achieve levels of success, if you really want to grow, 
beyond what you've even imagined possible, that's the time where you continue to raise the bar, continue to stay at it. That consistency is a trait that all extraordinarily successful people who have attained really high levels of achievement and success, they have that quality. They're optimistic and they're tenacious even in the face of success. And, and you also say in addition to giving that way, you should be a teacher. Do, pe- do people feel they have something to teach in them? They might not realize it. Well, they, we have so much to teach, whether it's personal experiences or things we learn. And that's what's great about being a student constantly, constantly being in a state of learning. And the best way to learn is by teaching. Once you learn something, if you really want to flesh it out, start teaching it to others, sharing with others, helping others. This is something that will really fine-tune your knowledge and your education on that topic or skill. And it will make you feel great. It'll make you a mentor to others. And this is this is just... This is just what it's all about. Yeah. You also say as part of the teaching that you should empower instead of rescue. I guess it's easy to rescue, but it's not teaching people how they can do it for themselves in the future. Is that the idea? We've always had a teaching environment here. You can never ask someone to do something and say, just do it. You have to explain to them why. What's the impact? What's the effect? And while initially it takes slightly longer and more time to do that, you're not spending that time. You're investing that time in order to help that individual grow and be empowered for the next time. It's 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 an amazing investment when you can cultivate and mentor people. And then they wind up staying with you. You don't have a lot of turnover because what people really want is they want to grow. Yes, they want money. Yes, they, of course. But you know what? If you give them a sense of ful- fulfillment from growth and being better and learning, that's when they really stay with you. Yeah. Your last chapter is what you say, uh, when bad things happen, we can still control our mindset. So in the year as we finished 2020, when all kinds of bad things happened, uh, has that worked for people? Or I think a lot of people have caved into it and become negative in their mindset. So, you know, here's an important lesson. We all get upset and pissed at things that happen. But uh, I have a 90-second rule. When for the first thing I do is I start every day after I have coffee with gratitude. And what I mean by that is I literally say out loud all the things that I'm grateful for. Now, yeah, I'm a spiritual person and I pray every morning, but I also say out loud all the things that I am grateful for. And what that really does is it helps me make sure I'm reminded of how really fortunate I am. And then as invariably, something's going to come around to piss me off, whether it's somebody cuts you off on the road or something at work or whatever it is, something's going to piss you off. I'm a human being. I'm going to get pissed. I'm going to feel upset. I might even have a reaction to it. But I really try to stop that within 90 seconds. Because here's the thing, Jordan. It is not worth my joy to let somebody else ruin it. Because I only have a limited amount of time here. And I'm not going to let something else ruin my joy. And even further is ruin the joy that I could bring to others. Because if my mental state is one where I'm pissed and I'm upset and I'm frustrated, I'm not going to be able to bring joy to anybody else, which as we've talked about, brings me fulfillment as well. So 90 second rule, it's very important. And I've had, listen, I've had my share of, of tough deals. You know, I learned in 2012 that I was diagnosed with cancer. And obviously there was a bit of a shock and you know, it was something that you know, kind of refocused me. But you know, I did the research, I remained positive and able to get through that. Yeah, would have defeated a lot of people probably. So in the remaining time we have left, why don't you kind of summarize what difference it would make in people's lives to follow the ideas you have in Money in the Streets as opposed to being in their normal kind of negative 
shell, I guess you might say. You're going to be happier and more successful. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, wh- what do we want? We want success and we want happiness. And believe me, they're two different things. Um, this is what we all want. This is what we all need. Uh, it's, it's a lot. You know, having peace of mind is, is so valuable. And I'm not saying that this is a cure-all, but it will get you there. It will give you a better state of mind. It will allow you to focus on the things that will get you through tougher times. It will help you hone in the skills to get you to greater levels of success and achievement. And it will also help you to see things that you were missing in the past that will allow you to achieve those levels of success. Yeah. Despite the environment being negative and, and a lot of people giving into a negative environment, you're saying you can overcome what seems insurmountable for a lot of people. Well, when we have negative situations, yes, we can get down on it. And yes, for a period of time, you know, we have to do that. But but I think that what we need to do is draw on that optimism that, hey, we're going to get through this. And the best way to get through this is to start step by step figuring out a plan to focus our attention on instead of focus on the negativity and what we can't control, what steps can we take to make it better and to improve? And remember, happiness it doesn't come from getting to your destination. Happiness comes from making progress towards your destination. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. <clears throat> what has been the reaction to the book so far? Uh, well, the, review, the reviews are through the roof, and it hit number one on Amazon's bestseller list. So I am, you know, I, 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 could, I don't even have the words to express my gratitude and the emotion, but so many people have, have expressed how it has helped them, the emails that I've received, the letters that I've received, the cards, the, you know, the reviews on social media, and people have reached out to me and said that it has been, uh, it has been life-changing for many people. Great. Well, very good. Well, my guest this hour has been Barry Habib. His new book, the number one bestseller on Amazon's business books, is Money in the Streets, a playbook for finding and seizing the opportunity all around you. You can find out more about Barry at uh, his website, mbshighway.com. Thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Barry. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.